You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Kind of in, in our sermon series, and I was kind of prepared to talk about this last week, but we had so many great testimonies last week, a lot of good testimonies, that I really didn't get into teaching anything. So I, kinda, I did want to kind of finish up with this because I really kind of want to just talk about, I think, again, part of what I think really, if we're really going to be working with God in the harvest, and by that I mean bringing people to a place of repentance, bringing people to making a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I think it is so important that we are able to see people the way God sees people, the way Jesus sees people, because I think that's where the compassion for the lost, the desire to really kind of share Christ with them um, really kind of comes from. Because just as Jesus was doing the work of the Father, and part of that work, again, was bringing people to repentance, bringing them to faith in God, we also must be about doing the same work uh, that Jesus did. So in Matthew 9, verse 37, it says there, then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. He means there's a lot of people lost, people out there. There's a lot of people out there who need uh, to know their heavenly father. He said, but the laborers, the evangelists, uh, the, the witnesses, those that are, are witnessing to others, he says, are few. Therefore, pray uh, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And so Jesus is saying we need to be praying for those who are those evangelists, those who are going to go out and be the witnesses and giving testimony to Jesus Christ. We need to be praying for those uh, people. We need to be praying for the ones that are doing it, and we need to be praying that God would raise up even more that would be willing to go out and to share. So tonight I want to just talk about three things that Jesus did very effectively, and we also should do if we really want to be effective in winning uh, people uh, to Jesus Christ. So I want to just kind of start by looking at a story, and, and you could pick many, many stories that would reflect these three same uh, characteristics, but I want to just focus on one in Luke 13, beginning on verse 10. It's just a couple of verses. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. A woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and couldn't straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Now from this brief but yet powerful encounter, I want to give you three challenges that if applied really can change the way that we would begin to look at and react and respond to um, those who are lost as a laborer in God's harvest. The first thing was uh, that Jesus did effectively, and I think we need to do, and that is just look around. Or we kind of talked a couple of weeks ago, that scripture verse where Jesus said in John 35, uh, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. So again, look around. There, there are lost people all around us. He says, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are ripe or they're white for harvest. So again, looking around, lifting up our eyes, paying attention to the people that are around us. 
And the Bible says as Jesus' popularity began to grow, as people kind of began to hear Jesus teach, they were drawn to his teaching primarily because Jesus taught as no one else they'd ever heard before. They, they said the way Jesus taught, it was so different from the scribes and the Pharisees because Jesus taught as one who had authority. So in his day, he's in the synagogue, and he's there, he's teaching, he's expounding on the scriptures, and the Bible says there is a crowd that is gathered there listening, and in that crowd that day, there was a woman. And this woman... The Bible says, for the last 18 years, she had been crippled, she had been bent over, unable to stand up straight. And as Jesus is teaching, somehow his eyes kind of lock on her or on her situation. And the Bible says, Jesus saw her. He noticed her. I mean, he, there was something about that that caught Jesus's attention and he's just kind of fixed in on her and there's probably you know he's probably moved with compassion for her situation now again one of the great miracles of the Bible is that God in his infinite grace pays attention to every one of us I mean you know there's that it's kind of corny but I think it's true you know if God had a refrigerator your picture would be on it I mean and that, that's true for all of us I mean, that's, that's the kind of, uh, of attention, that's the kind of focus that God brings to each one of us. Even though there's, you know, billions of people on the face of the earth, God has a way that his infinite grace pays attention to you as if you were the only one. That's what's so beautiful um, about God's grace. So God is so intimately interested. He is knowledgeable in every detail of your life. I mean, even in the mundane things, the things we don't even pay attention to, God is intimately knowledgeable and noticing the details of our lives. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that even the, the very hairs on your head are numbered. And when one falls out, he does notice. Now, no one ever noticed and paid attention, but it's been my experience that he doesn't replace that hair. He just at least notices it. Right, Stan? Amen. Yeah. So again, no one ever noticed, no one pays attention to the details, the intricate details of our lives um, like God does. So again, Jesus saw people. He, he had a way of seeing into them. He didn't just look through them. He was able to see into them. He especially saw the people that maybe other people kind of passed over or avoided. Matthew 9, when Jesus looked out over the crowd, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were like sheep without a shepherd. Again, Jesus paid attention to those, especially those who were lost, those who were maybe broken or confused. He noticed. Attention, again, it is one of the most powerful forces in all of the world. Psychologists have done many, many studies on how this relates just to infants. They've, you know, concluded 
and, and it makes sense. I mean, that for a baby to grow up healthy, to have good social skills, that a baby has to have not only food and water, but they also really need the attention of a human uh, face. They, they need the gaze. The, they need to be able to look into a, a human face. As that infant lies on its back in, in the crib, as that infant is looking up, and, and there is that adult, there is that attentive, that, that smiling face looking back, the baby notices that. They see that. They react. They respond to that. Sometimes they'll smile back, okay? Psychologists speak of this a phenomenon as what they call attunement, meaning a baby begins to understand that they can be connected to, they can be in tune with another human being. Even though they may not be able to converse, obviously, but there is this sense where there is a connection between them and the, and the person, the face in which they're looking into. It, it, in fact, it is the attentive gaze of that face that says to that baby, you matter. There's a passage in the Old Testament many of us have heard repeatedly, and, and it's, it's called one of the blessings. It's found in number 6, beginning in verse 24, and there it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. Now, now listen to this. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious. The Lord turns his face towards you and gives you peace. Now again, the imagery is that when the Lord turns his face to us, he is giving us his undivided attention. You give a person your complete, undivided, interested attention when you turn your face toward them, when you are looking at them. And in this story, as Jesus is in the synagogue, his eyes catch the eyes of a crippled woman. Jesus turns his face toward her. She has got his attention. There are all kinds of people, uh, again, everywhere. I mean, we, we pass them all the time that are just waiting to be noticed. We pass them every day. They may dress nice. They may have good jobs. They may live in a great neighborhood, drive a nice car. You shake their hand. You smile. You communicate to them that everything is a-okay. But on the inside, there are a lot of people who are just dying for someone to pay attention and notice them. And this woman in this story, emotionally and spiritually, many of them are crippled over. They may not be that way physically, but just inside. They're bent over. They're crippled. Again, if we are discerning, if we're allowing the Spirit of God to just move in us, again, we can begin to notice and we can begin to pick up the clues that we would hear the cry in their heart, would someone just pay attention to me? I mean, how often do people just act out or kids act out just to get attention? A lot of people around us, again, they just put up walls. But in their loneliness, in their quiet desperation, again, part of that is just a longing to be noticed, a longing to be loved. And there are all kinds of people in our world um, that are putting up a lot of walls just because they feel unlovable. They feel unacceptable. And again, deep down inside, I think every one of those people, there is this desperate cry for someone to just notice them. It's also my observation that you really don't have to um, 
that you're really going to have to slow down to really see people. Now, uh, there are times, and I'll be the first to admit, there just are times where, where I've got a lot to do in a day. And, and you, you're just working at, at a pretty fast pace. You're multitasking. Uh, and, and you can just be so caught up in all of the tasks that you're doing, you don't even notice the, the people that are, I mean, you can pass them, you know, five, ten times, and you don't even notice uh, that there's this cry for attention because you're so busy, you're so caught up. So sometimes you just got to slow down in life to really see people. So when Jesus, you kind of just get the sense as Jesus walks through the earth in his, in his ministry, uh, he, he never seems to be in a hurry. He never seemed to be rushed to get from one point to another point or, or walk past people in a hurry because he had to get uh, somewhere else. Jesus always seemed to have time for people. As a matter of fact, you'll find stories in there where oftentimes the disciples would try to be steering him in directions. They would be trying to get him to, you know, we need to be getting over here and we need to be getting over there. And there would just be times where, where Jesus would just, no, no, no. We're, we're going to slow down. We're going to stay here. Uh, you know, for remember when it was uh, Lazarus was dying. Remember, we got to go now. I mean, I mean, I mean, Lazarus needs you. Jesus said, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll get there in a couple of days. So again, oftentimes Jesus was one of those people that could just never be rushed. If you're really going to uh, see people again, sometimes we just got to slow down in life. Look up, look around, notice. Think of it this way. If some people were standing alongside the road, would you notice them more if you uh, flew by them at 75 miles an hour or if you walked by them slowly on a sidewalk? The slower you go, the more you're going to notice. And the speed of our lives oftentimes can just cause us to miss the very people that God has kind of put in our pathway that God wants us to notice, that God wants us to pay attention to. So again, there's that first challenge. Look around, look up, notice, pay attention. Ask God, God, is there somebody here you need me to speak to, to minister to, to encourage? Second thing Jesus effectively did and we should do, take a risk. Take a risk. In this passage, the Bible says Jesus saw her, but then he took a risk. He spoke to her. He called her forward. Now think about this. This was very risky socially. Number one, you oftentimes in those days just did not have any kind of interaction between a man and a woman, especially when they were strangers. Okay? This was not proper protocol. This was probably not in the order of the service in the synagogue. This would have been very unorthodox. It would have been very unconventional. Think about how she must have felt. I mean, you know, if you're sitting here tonight and I were just to call you forward, especially when you've kind of got a physical deformity. I mean, you already probably think people maybe kind of stare at you and kind of think, wow, uh, that person's really got some issues, and, and, and they're just trying to blend in. They're just trying to fade away in the crowd. And here somebody does, just, you know, identifies them, calls them out, brings them up uh, in the front. I mean, she's been crippled for the last 18 years. 
It was probably just, you know, tough enough for her to just be out in public that way, let alone being called out in front of a crowd. Now, this rabbi teacher calls her to the front of the service uh, during the time when the people are all there. Now, here's the point. When you choose to demonstrate bold, reckless, radical love of Christ towards others, sometimes it will be risky. But it is important to remember it's always worth the risk. Generally, our temptation is to want to play it safe. I don't know if you guys remember this, that we're in the Methodist church um, with, with uh, I was over there pastoring. We had a Sunday, um, and my mom and my stepdad were visiting from uh, the Quad Cities. And they're, they're not um, believers, and they were there at the service. And I was a little, you know, just because it were contemporary worship at that time, uh, you know, people were clapping, you know, raising hands. You know, we were raised in a very, very quiet Lutheran church. So this was not something that my mom and my stepdad were, I mean, they're comfortable with it now because we've been here for, you know, going on 14 years. But in the Methodist church, whenever they would come to church or they would come to visit and they would go to church with us, they would be very, very used to uh, a typical Methodist congregation. It was hymns. There was no raising of hands. There was no clapping. So for them to come to a church um, that was just kind of starting in a contemporary worship service, I was just a little uneasy and a little uncomfortable how they were going to feel about this. Well, this one particular um, Sunday morning that they were visiting, we had a couple in the congregation that had, had been coming, I think, maybe a couple of weeks. She was pregnant. I don't remember how far along she was with twins, and there was some kind, and I don't remember the, the diagnosis, but basically it was that the twins had some kind of a disease that would uh, basically, the end result would be that they would both die. Um, and I think that it was, th there was, do, do you remember that? Huh? Yes, there was a, it was transference something. But anyway, uh, it was, you know, doctors basically said it, it is generally fatal for both of them. And so uh, we're, we're, we're in the middle of this um, worship service and I get this very, very strong impression from the Lord that we are to, we are to call them forward and, and to lay hands on her, that, that God wanted to um, minister to them. And I, I'm, I'm sitting thinking, oh, Lord, not this morning. Not this morning. My mom, my stepdad are here. I mean, they're just going to think this is crazy. Not this morning. You know, so I'm, I'm trying to, you know, engage in worship. And every time I started to re-engage in worship, God said, call them up. We're and, and we're going to lay. And, and I didn't really know these people all that well, you know. So I'm also kind of thinking, oh, my gosh, they're just going to think this is crazy. And this is going to be really embarrassing. And I mean, I'm just, I am like in a sweat for probably about 10 or 15 minutes, just going back and forth with God. No, my parents are going to think it's weird. These people are they're just going to freak out, you know, because they really don't know that many people in the church, and here I am calling them out forward. And so finally, I just said, okay, fine. 
So got done, and we called them forward, and, you know, just kind of, I don't remember exactly what I said, but, you know, kind of let people know what the situation was. And I just said to them, I really believe that God wants to um, bring healing um, in that particular area. And, and, and it's also interesting to note that the gynecologist at this time was also a member and attended that particular service. So he knew this couple and he knew their situation very well. And as a matter of fact, he was the one that kind of told me, yeah, it, it usually ends in the death of both of them. So we called them forward, we, we prayed with them, and uh, the, the miraculous thing was, was that one of those babies did survive. Um, so, so anyway, there's, there's more to it, but my point was being just in, in calling them out again, just taking that risk. And sometimes God is going to, God's just going to call you to do something that you just think it is so crazy. It, it's just, it's just way out there. Or you're just going to kind of think, oh, people are going to think I'm, I'm weird. Or people are just going to think I'm crazy. But I'll tell you what, there just are times where God's going to have you do things, and you're just, you're going to take a risk. But like I said, I want you to know, it'll always be worth the risk. As a matter of fact, when we did the, um, when we did the firehouse, um, not this last one, but the one before that, um, one of the, it, it was one of the guys um, that was there. Uh, at the firehouse, so that was pretty cool. Um, so again, uh, it's always worth the risk. Uh, and again, generally, what is our temptation? Play it safe. <laughs> so in a world that's racked by fear and insecurity, uh, our tendency is to just sort of kind of quarantine uh, our lives and our families. But God says, that's not how I want you to live. I want you to be out there where people are hurting. I want you to kind of be a mash unit for the broken and hurting and wounded people. Again, it is not God's desire. It is not God's plan for the congregation, the people of Praise Community Church, that we would pool all of our money together, that we would, you know, go up uh, to some mountain, buy, you know, a huge resort, build a commune where we could just live in fellowship with one another, you know, around the clock, 24-7. That, that's not what God wants. God wants us out there, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, you know, uh, uh, the football fields, wherever, being the love of Christ to people that are out there, you know, again, mixing it up in the real world. The reality is, is that when you take the risk to really reach out and to love people, I mean, we all know this, we've all experienced this firsthand, there are times where you're going to be rejected, you're going to be shunned, you're going to be made fun of, it's going to get messy, you may get stepped on. People may take you for a ride, and occasionally you'll get hurt. C.S. Lewis said it like this, to love at all is to be vulnerable. And we all know, you know, love anything, um, you know, long enough, and your heart will certainly be broken. You're going to get hurt. If you want to make sure to keep your heart intact, again, it's just don't give it to anybody. Don't be vulnerable. Don't take a risk. But that's not life. And that's not what Jesus did. Jesus called us to enter into life's experience. And again, sometimes it's going to get messy. But he calls us to demonstrate the love of Christ and command us to love people we wouldn't normally love. And again, it kind of just picks up on what Janie's study uh, is really wanting to address. In fact, look at Matthew 5, 46. Jesus says, if you love only the people who love you, you'll get no reward. He said, even tax collectors can do that. And if you're nice only to your friends, you're no better than other people. Even those who don't know God 
are nice to their friends. So let me just ask you this. Who do you need to love that's in your world that's not easy for you to love? We all have people in our lives that are difficult to love. Can you imagine what it would be like if in your home or in your offices or even in this church that if we were all so filled with the love of God that we would just start taking risks to embrace, to touch people in loving ways. And we started taking the risk and we started taking the risk of doing loving acts spontaneously. I mean, can you imagine what people's response might be to that when we just begin to kind of reach out and to love and to take risk, to notice, to look up, to pay attention to people, to let them know that they matter to us and to matter that they matter to God? Again, when you read the New Testament, you see that Jesus, he, he, he never held back. He always was just lavishing love and, and grace on people who were put down, who were used up, those that were kind of left behind. He lavished his grace on them. And the Bible says that sinners and prostitutes and drunks loved him because he was comfortable being in their presence. Jesus never shunned them. He never condemned them. He never criticized them. The Bible says lepers loved him because they found a friend in Jesus who would eat with them and drink with them. But again, sometimes it's risky. So again, what would cause us to just maybe step out of our comfort zones and to maybe be a little more risky? 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For Christ's love compels us, because we're convinced that one died for all and that therefore all died. So what would make you do it? Again, it's the love of Christ. And just pray, God, would you just so fill me with your love in such a way that, God, I would feel compelled, I would feel motivated to just go out and to share that love with others. Third thing Jesus did effectively we should do, reach out. And by that I mean just actually begin to do it. Most of all, love gives and love reaches out. Giving, again, is one of the ways that love expresses itself. One of the true marks of a true Christian uh, and their love is that it's available to all and to everyone. No matter their economic status, their educational background, the color of their skin, or where they live. Real Christian love is marked by the fact that it is available to everyone. Here's a very, very important point I want you to understand. In this life, you will never, ever meet another person who has uh, not been created in the image of God. You'll, you'll never lock eyes with a, a, a man or a woman who has not been created in the image of God. In this world, you'll never, ever shake a, another person's hand who Jesus did not die for. You'll never walk down the street. You'll never pass another person who doesn't matter to God. And you'll never lock eyes with another individual who is not on the heart of God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a perspective that we, we should strive to have? Everyone you meet matters to God. Everyone you meet is important to God. Love reaches out. In this story, again, Jesus saw her. He noticed her. He called her forward. He took a risk. But then he reached out to her, and he laid hands on her, and he spoke to her, and she was healed. When you read again, just study the life of Jesus in the Gospels, you're struck by the fact that Jesus is just so kind. He's so compassionate, especially to those who are broken and hurting. 
I think Paul captures the spirit of Christ in Ephesians 4 when he says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So I want to just quickly just, uh, just uh, mention three distinct tangible ways um, that Jesus reaches out to this woman. Again, he saw her. We already talked about that. He noticed her. He paid attention. His eyes met hers. Again, number two, the next thing Jesus did, he spoke to her. I don't know how much you ever think about this, but there is tremendous power in your words. A lot of you are familiar with this scripture verse from Proverbs 18, 21. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Our words matter. The words that come out of your mouth, the words that roll off your lips, there is power to breathe life and grace and hope and strength um, into people, but it can also be the same mouth that can spew curses and bitterness, anger and hatred and destroy. Again, the choice is ours. Are we going to use our words to curse? Are we going to use our words to bless? Are we going to use our words to tear down? Or are we going to use our words to build up? Mother Teresa once said this, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. I love that. Kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. In a world where people, again, are beat up and they're put down, you and I have the unbelievable privilege of saying out loud to people, you matter to God. He loves you. He is for you. He is not against you. Your life counts and the God of this universe, the one who created everything, is interested in you, is interested in a relationship with you story about a woman who had been through some very emotional and uh, physically daunting challenges. And she talked about how her daughter had been a tremendous source of encouragement to her. And, and as the camera crew is interviewing uh, this lady and, and listening to her story, the lady took the camera crew up the stairs into the master bedroom. And on the master ba bathroom, there was uh, this note that was written on the bathroom mirror. And scribbled in lipstick was this message uh, from her daughter. And, said, and it said, Mom, the best gift I could give you is the gift to be able to see you as I see you. You are my hero. And that simple little message scribbled on the bathroom mirror stayed there for months because, and it had become a source of hope and strength and encouragement. So again, I want to underscore this. Your words matter. The third thing that Jesus did was he put his hands on her. Again, he touched her. We have now lived in a very technological, automated society. So again, it is very, very possible to go through life. I mean, it's possible to go day after day after day and, and not see or talk or touch another person. And then you add to that the fear that some people have now about abuse and mistreatment or that, you know, the uh, inappropriateness uh, of that. Uh, and the results have been that we are more withdrawn and less apt to reach out a hand and offer a hug. Every person, I, I don't care who they are, every person now and again needs human touch. They need a hug. Again, Jesus reached out. He, he touched, 
he put his hands on this woman. And studies have been conducted that have concluded that people who experience meaningful touch or offered meaningful touch on a regular basis actually have a longer life expectancy. So again, in closing, God's called us to get up close to people who are hurting and broken, to get close up to them and, and through our lives, tell them the message that there is a God who loves them. And I know some of you may be broken, some of you may be wounded, some of you may kind of think your life doesn't matter, but there is a Father who delights in you because you matter to him. You're made in his image and in his likeness. And you and I, we get to be the hands, we get to be the feet, we get to be the voice and the arms of Christ to say to our world, there is someone who loves you. There, there, there is someone that you matter a great deal to, and that is an unspeakable privilege. Amen? Let's just bow for a word of prayer, and then we're just going to kind of go into um, some ministry time. We're just going to kind of wait on the Lord uh, tonight. So if you're here uh, as, as we're praying, again, you know, maybe just ask God, God, is there, is there a word uh, of encouragement? I know last week uh, we kind of uh, took some time, and, and all of you had gotten a card, and we kind of wrote out uh, maybe a letter of appreciation. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we... we uh, just sent out a card to people that maybe had done something that really meant a lot to us. Um, and so I, I hope that you did that. And again, I just encourage you to keep doing, you know, seize those opportunities uh, to, to let people um, know. So maybe tonight there's uh, opportunity here as we kind of go into that ministry time that maybe God is giving you a word. Um, it could be a Bible verse. Um, it could just be um, a picture uh, that, that God may want to use to just encourage the people that are here tonight. Again, that's, that's the goal of prophecy. It's to encourage, it's to edify, it's to comfort. And so maybe tonight, God, as we're, as we're praying, again, just ask God, God, is there, is there something that you, that you want to speak through me uh, tonight to these people that would be edifying, that would be encouraging, that would be comforting? And then just listen. Uh, and, and then again, we would just ask you just to come up uh, share that. If you feel like it's for a, an individual in here, you can go to them individually. Uh, and so we're just going to pray that, that God would just kind of come and just begin to minister uh, to the body again through the, through the uh, various giftings. Father, we just thank you so much tonight. Father, we thank you for, again, the many, many ways that Jesus modeled how people mattered to you how he demonstrated that, how he showed that in very, very simple and yet tangible ways. So God, tonight we just pray, Lord, that you would, would teach us through what Jesus modeled. Lord, again, how to reach out, how to care for uh, people, especially those who are lost and hurting, those that are broken. And so Father, tonight we just pray, Lord, that you would just make us more sensitive to that, God. The Lord, you would just give us tender hearts, that you would just give us tender spirits. Father, that we can sense your leading, your guiding, that God, if there's somebody you're wanting us to notice, to pay attention to, that God, you would just, again, quicken our hearts, quicken our spirits. Help us to notice, to recognize, to be aware that there is a hurting person who just needs uh, the love of God. So Lord, I just pray that you'll just help us to be more aware, more sensitive to that. 
And Father, again, tonight as we kind of just uh, dial down, God, we want to just be able to hear your voice. So God, tonight, if there are just in any ways, God, that you want to move in the body through the, the giftings, through healing, through the prophetic, Father, we just ask tonight, God, that you would just come and by your Holy Spirit, God, just begin to lead and to guide this time. And Father, we just, again, we ask, Lord, for your power and your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.